0: It's time to place your bets, let's talk to the pros. Welcome in everybody to betting pros and it's time to talk a little NBA. It's me, Joey P Joe P. Zapia. Welcome to the show, everybody. we got a great one for you today. One of my boys, one of my Jersey guys who I've done probably thousands of shows with now over the last five plus years of my life. He's one of my good friends, but he's also one of the best folks in terms of NBA to talk to out there on the landscape, whether it be DFS, whether it be wagering. And today, of course, we're talking to him about wagering. He's the head of betting content over at Fade the Noise, and that's FTN for those of you cool kids. And as you can see here, if you're watching us on the YouTube channel, you see him flashing the little stuff there, right there. Uh, He is uh, product placement all the time. But uh, he is one of my favorite dudes. He's my paisan. He's Benny Ricciardi, everybody. Welcome to the show, Benny. How you doing, brother? That's a hell of an intro right there, bro.
1: So if I love it right there. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, you know how it is when you start getting old, Joe. I don't even go like clothes shopping anymore. Everything I have is given to me by like one of the companies that I do a show for or one of the companies that uh, I hop on for. I'm, I'm waiting for my betting pros t-shirt right now. So I <laughs> notice right now that I need one of those because summer's coming up. I need some new t-shirts, though. So.
0: You know, I don't even have one yet. I mean, if I don't know how you could get one before I get one. I got to get more swag. I mean, but you're right. You, you are the swag king. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely, that is the case. And uh, today we're going to do a Benny's. We're going to go through some NBA stuff. We're getting towards the playoffs now. So we're going to go through some of the bets for some of the awards, what's out there, what's even worth looking at. We're also going to talk about some of the conferences, some of the standings where we're at right now, and maybe a little look into the playoffs see what's going on what benny likes as we're kind of heading closer and closer to that and look it's it's been a pretty darn good nba season i would say you know i know a lot of people were kind of skeptical going in once again and i feel like you know the further we get down here the more we're getting to uh more of a sense of normalcy with things which is great uh we've seen what's happened last year with the nfl and then obviously with major league baseball this year with crowds being back so you know let's start with some of the awards benny let's start with uh, MVP, which Nikola Jokic is at minus 400 on consensus betting pros right now. Again, betting pros takes the consensus from all the different houses, kind of compiles them into one number. After that, you got Joel Embiid at plus 350 and Steph Curry at plus 1400. So, I'm just gonna be simple with this. Is this just a foregone conclusion here? Is this something you just completely stay away from, or? You know, I mean, because the odds minus four hundred laying four to win a hundred seems kind of crazy to me. Do you think there's any chance that Embiid or anybody else sneaks in this conversation? So,
1: do I think Jokic is the favorite right now to win it? Absolutely. Do I think he should be minus four hundred? No, I don't. I would not lay money on him at minus four hundred right now. Uh, Basically, at minus four hundred, you're saying he has an eighty percent chance of winning this award right now, and. I think it's above 50%, but I wouldn't go as high as 80. And like I said, he is probably the guy who's most likely to win. But do you really want to lay $100 to win 25? Like, that's basically what you're looking at here at minus 400. I think Steph Curry is worth a little bit of a gamble here. Because of all these other guys, he's the one, him and Embiid have a little bit of a chance here. Now, the reason why I say if you're going to make a little gamble here, I'd rather do Steph Curry is because you're getting Steph Curry at like plus what did you say plus 1400 was the if you're going to make a wager that's probably the better way to go on it right now. Now again, do I think Steph Curry is going to win it? No, I do think Nikola Jokic is going to win it. But I think that at 20 to 1 on Steph Curry or even 15 to 1 on Steph Curry, that's giving him like a 5 or 6% chance of winning this award, and I think he's probably closer to maybe 10% here. Because if you look at the numbers this year, he's the guy, I mean it depends. What do you what do you count as what makes a guy the most valuable to his team? Because right. to me, one of the things that I look at is the expected win total that that player creates for his team. So basically they look at the stats and they say a guy like this, if you put him off this team and put him on another team, this is the number of expected wins a guy with these stats would have. You know, Steph Curry is 33. He's leading the league. So by that metric, he is the most valuable player in the league to his team. His team would be 33, depending on who the substitution is. But if you substitute him with a league average player, they would be 33 games worse off than they are with Steph Curry. Nobody else is, you know, even close to that number. Joel Embiid, I think, is at 31. So he's another guy that's like kind of in that conversation. But Steph has the best number in the league overall there. But again, you and I know, Joe, that a lot of these things aren't based on stats, right? These are, Mm -hmm. they're voted on by, you know, writers. They're media awards. That's what they are. Yeah. And one of the things that goes along with that is they usually give it to a guy who's on the team that's winning a lot of games and... You know, there are other guys who have had better stats than Jokic has this season, but he's the guy that's avoided being hurt. Like if Joel Embiid didn't get hurt, there's a good chance Joel Embiid could be the guy who is the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the one in the clubhouse leader right now. If LeBron didn't get hurt, LeBron was having some really good numbers on both ends of the floor this year. There's a guy that you could be there. You know, Giannis is not great on the offensive end, but he's still a well above average offensive player. And he's one of the elite defensive players in the league, like a top five guy when it comes to, you know, points saved per 100 possessions. So a lot of these guys had a chance, but a lot of these guys also miss time right now. So really, the guy who's been consistent and who has played even above expectations a little bit this year and whose team is winning games right now is Nikola Jokic, which is why he is the clubhouse leader. But of all the ones we're going to talk about, there's a couple other clubhouse leaders that I'd be like, yeah, you could put money on him at that price if you want to. Jokic is the one that I would not be betting on here. This is a guy with only 12 expected wins above, you know, what he would normally get for a replacement player here. Not that that's a bad number either. That's still a good number, but it's just, right. it's not Steph Curry's 33. It's not Joel Embiid's 31. Like if that's how we're measuring someone's worth to a team, he's really not the guy who has meant the most to his
0: team this year. Well, I mean, I'm looking across the board and only like, the lowest number I see here is minus 357 over at BetMGM for Jokic, And that still seems like, you know, a hard pass there. And I, I like the case that you're making for Curry. And I think, you know, in in sense of like media award right now, it seems like the groundswell is going there, but I think you're right. It definitely feels as though it, no, it shouldn't be so much of a favorite right now. <laughs> it definitely feels like it should be a little bit tighter. You know, we're talking betting numbers right now. So it's not... It's not that I'm saying Nikola Jokic
1: probably isn't going to win. I just don't think that he should be 80% to win. If you told me he was even money right now, I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to bet on him at even money. If you told me he was even maybe minus 150 or minus 200, so like 60, 66%, I'd probably be like, all right, yeah, he's still the guy we should be putting money on. At minus 400, though, there's, there's no value there. There's, I'll give you something that's a bigger lock that we're going to talk about in a, little min- in a minute. That's a better number than minus 400 that we should be betting on if we're going to do it.
0: All right, well, let's move on to the next award here and talk about Rookie of the Year, because we've got LaMelo Ball at minus 305 and Anthony Edwards at plus 200. Again, those are the consensus numbers, and you go to bettingpros.com to see all these consensus numbers, and you can go pick and choose. If you do like a wager, well, where can I get the best odds? So is, is this particularly one that you've got your eye on? Ball's played very well, obviously, this year. Edwards, no slouch either, but right now, it's telling you that Ball is a clear favorite.
1: Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's not particularly close between the two of them on the floor this year. Anthony Edwards had a couple good games. Uh, He's a good scorer, but LaMelo Ball is the the much better player, is the much better all around player, and is going to be the much better NBA player as well long term here. Plus, he has the name recognition that is going to help him out anyway, even though Anthony Edwards was the first pick. I got to be honest with you, Joe, I'm going to give a shout out here to an honorable mention guy that... I like even better than Anthony Edwards. I would rather vote for Tyrese Halliburton than I would for Anthony Edwards this year. I think he's had a better overall season. Right now with um, De'Aaron Fox out on the COVID protocol, he's getting a chance to kind of run the team, putting up like double-double numbers and points and uh, and assists every night. To me, I always thought he had a better season than Anthony Edwards did. Again, Anthony Edwards had such a bad start to the year, and his team was so bad too. It's not like, you know – Sometimes there's a number one overall pick like LeBron comes in and, you know, changes his team's fortune in one season. If it was a situation like that, I'd be like, yeah, you have to give it to Anthony Edwards. But I I just I don't think he's done enough to even I even told people that I don't know if I would want to bet on him, even if LaMelo Ball was like out for the season and never came back. I still thought LaMelo Ball missing the last couple, you know, the last couple weeks of the season already had this award locked up because he was by far the best rookie out there. Um, so to me, he's still the guy. And again, you could take Jokic at minus 400, or you could take LaMelo Ball here at like minus 305, minus 302. Um, th- those numbers are just better. So if you're going to put money on something, put it on where you're going to get the better return. I'd rather be here on LaMelo.
0: All right. So let's move on to the next one here, which is, um uh, I mean, look, Julius Randle's had a, a great season here for the Knicks. And the Knicks have really showed a lot of life here down the stretch. And, and they showed a lot of life early on the season too. And they got people kind of excited. And of course they did that Knicks lull. Which you know the Knicks are like, well, okay, I guess we've kind of righted the ship and realized who we are again. But then again, it, it kind of peaked as we're getting closer to the end of the season. So Randall right now is at minus five hundred for this award. Jeremy Grant is at plus four hundred. Is this another one where it's just a lock and you walk away because it feels like it?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's really no, there's no argument that it's truly. There's no argument there. Yeah, I mean,
0: there was there
1: was a point in the season where there were like three or four guys in the entire NBA who were leading their team in points, rebounds, and assists. And Julius Randle was one of them. The other ones were like Luka, Giannis, and
0: LeBron. (laughs) MVP guys, right. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, if you're in that company, that's that's the company that you're in. He has been a godsend for the Knicks this year. He's been basically their entire offense, because that's really what that team struggles with on the offensive side. And his defense has been a little bit better, too. I mean, he's always been known as a guy who's been kind of a dog on defense. But the Knicks have one of the top defenses in the league this year. I think they're giving up the third fewest points per 100 possessions right now. And you know what? Randall's numbers look better than they have. So coming to the Knicks has been great for him. He's played as well as anybody could this year. You know, he's had triple doubles at some points this season. He's had a whole bunch of games with double-digit assists that we made a lot of money on betting on over at FTN. (laughs) It's like my favorite bet this year. Everybody over there will be like, oh, you're playing Julius Randall assist again? Well, yeah, it keeps getting it. You know, the guy's going to keep going over the number. We're going to keep playing it. So I love Julius Randall. He's made me a lot of money this year. I'm just not willing to invest any more of that at minus 500, though. I mean, do I think it's a lock? Yeah, you can get, what, like 16, 17 cents on the dollar for every dollar you put in there. I mean, if you really don't, you know, have any other use for that money between now and the end of the season, the next three weeks, by
0: all means, throw it in there, but... You're not gonna get. You're not gonna get that great of a return, but I do think it's pretty much a lock. All right, let's talk about defensive player of the year. Rudy Gobert at minus three thirty five is a consensus number. Ben Simmons at plus two thirty, a uh, little bit tighter, but again, clear favorite here with Gobert and Miles Turner is kind of pulling up the rear at plus seven. Uh, so again, it's very heavy favorites here. It's just a matter of are we interested in the lock favorite here? And Gobert is that lock favorite when it comes to defensive player of the year feels like as well.
1: Yeah, I think it is because. Utah, Utah has been the best team in the NBA this year, um, and that, that's not hyperbole. That's, they have the highest point differential per 100 possessions. Um, you know They're like top five offensive production per 100 offensive efficiency. They're number one, I think, right now currently on defensive efficiency as well. So, I mean, this is a legit team right there, but they don't have a legit superstar who's going to win the MVP. Like Donovan Mitchell's their superstar. He's not going to be an MVP candidate. The writers aren't going to allow this team to have this good of a season and not have, you know, some kind of awards coming their way. And listen, Rudy Gobert is a deserving favorite for this, too. I don't want you to think that he's not. Like, when Mm -hmm. you look at defensive numbers there, points per 100 possessions, which is the stat that everybody uses as, you know, the main one for defense, because it kind of encompasses everything there. Rudy Gobert is leading the league. He is worth 11 and a half points to a team. Um, Per 100 possessions on the defensive side. Without Rudy Gobert, you would expect that team to score 11, you know, to have 11 more points per game scored upon him. There's only two guys that are over 10. It's him and teammate Mike Connolly. And, you know, like I said, by far statistically, you can make the case that he is head and shoulders above everybody else in the league. So I understand the 335. What I don't understand is the guys that are behind them. Ben Simmons, who I love, and I love Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons is one of the few guys in the NBA that you can legitimately put on any player, one through five, whether it be the opposing center, the opposing point guard, or anything in between, and he could guard that guy. So he is the arguably the most versatile defender in the NBA, which is great. But his numbers aren't jumping off the page as like, oh, this guy deserves to be you know, the defensive player of the year. Without him, his team's defense wouldn't be bad. They're a very good defensive team, and they've been a very good defensive team even in games that Ben Simmons didn't play. So is he a great defensive player? Absolutely. Is he a positive to them on defense? Yes. Does he completely change a game like Rudy Gobert does? And the answer to that is no. So mm-hmm. I will do this. And Miles Turner, I have no idea why that Miles Turner is on this list. It makes no sense <laughs> to me that he is the third one on this list whatsoever. But I need to, I want to throw the third guys in there, the guys that should be on this okay. list. Mike Connolly should be on this list because, like I said, right. second best defensive number there, one of the best defensive point guards in the game, has been for a really long time, does he get enough credit, really hope he's first team all defense this year. Um, You know, Giannis every year deserves to be there, and you can say what you want about him. The guy is an absolute beast, very much like Ben Simmons can guard just about anybody on the floor at any time. He's long, he rebounds, does a ton for your defense right there. And then the other guy who's unsung and people don't consider him a great defensive player, but his defensive numbers have been amazing this year, has been Clint Capella. Clint Capella is a big reason why the Atlanta Hawks games don't end up 150 140 every single night they still get there every once in a while and a bunch of 120s and 130s but clink capella deserves a lot more credit than he's getting on defense as well so those should be the names behind rudy gobert but unfortunately rudy gobert should win this at 335 if you don't like the lamello play this is the other place i put my money
0: before i put it on joking now in some spots like on fanduel actually the, the odds are vastly different but again this is the consensus number where you know that's just i also feel like you know with the nba too there's there's an easier, clearer narrative with a lot of these players, too, that kind of builds over time and then it gets kind of locked in. And it's very different than the NFL. And it's very because the NFL is very moving. Like in the beginning of the year, it was very Russell Wilson. And then it, it sort of to turned to Kyler Murray for a little bit in that discussion. And then that went away and, it, and it ebbs and flows. And eventually it was Josh Allen. And Josh Allen was kind of always on the peripheral. But with the NBA, I feel like some of these awards, they just get locked in. And then the narrative drives itself, and then it makes it very difficult by this time of the season to really get any sort of value. But I think we can find some value here with some of these wagers. So let's, with just a few games left here, let's talk about the Atlantic Division winner. we got the Sixers right now, the consensus number to win the Atlantic Division, minus 139, and the Nets at even money. So looking at those two right now, where do you put your money, if anywhere, on one of these two teams?
1: Yeah, so I would rather have my money on the Nets here, and there's two reasons why. So after last night's game, the Sixers are 40-21, and 21, the Nets are 41-20. and 20. They're playing 72 games this year, so they both have 11 games left. When you break down those numbers and you put them into odds, at even money, it says that the Nets have a 50% chance of winning the division. At minus 139, you're giving the 76ers a 58% chance to win the division. Now, there's a good chance that these two teams both go, I don't know, seven and four or eight and three throughout the end of the season, because based on their win percentages this year, that's what you would expect them to win about two thirds of the remaining games that they have, which with 11 games means they're both going to wind up with six or seven wins here. And the Nets already have one game up on the Philadelphia 76ers, so right. you know they could basically match the 76ers' record and still wind up winning the division, whereas the Sixers are going to have to hope that the Nets lose a couple games here. Now again, are the Nets as good without James Harden and without the Marcus Aldridge, which is something else we'll talk about later when we talk about championship odds?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, they're not, but Kevin Durant's back. He's really, really good. Kyrie Irving's still there. He's really, really good. He's really, really good. (laughs) Joe Joe Harris is a great shooter who's going to stand in the corner and stretch defenses. And that's what every team wants right now. So the Nets still have enough pieces where they can go six and five, worst case, seven and four, eight and three, best case. And if they do the eight and three or the seven and four, it's still their division. So if you're going to give me even money on them, where I got to lay minus 139 on the Sixers, who are a game back with 11 games to go, you
0: know, I like the horse that's in the lead in the race, Joe. I'm not taking the one that's behind. I, I'm with you. I agree with you. I would be on the net side of things as well. Let's go to the Southeast division here. And we got the Hawks' consensus number, which is pretty high, minus 400, and the Heat at plus 275. But again, only two games separate them. So I guess here's my question Can the Heat make a late run here with the way the schedule looks for them and overtake the Hawks, or is this just the Hawks right now playing better basketball?
1: So, I mean, this really comes down to a numbers game, right? Like these two teams are at 62 already. So they're down to 10 right. games each. So right. what you basically have to hope for if you're in Miami is Miami's got to go nuts right now. They got to go like nine and one or eight and two. And then they still have to hope that, you know, the Hawks go like five and five over the last 10 games here in order for them to get there. So what you're really betting on is two different things happening. You're betting on Miami going on a run right now that is, you know, I'm not gonna say unprecedented, but um, and then you also have to hope that Atlanta forgets how to play basketball or that they get a couple injuries or something where, you know, they're going to lose – at least two, if not three of those, they're going to have to pick up three games in the last 10 games of the season in order to win this conference. It's not, again, it's not out of the question, but, you know, it's very hard to do. You're going to need the Hawks to go 5-5 five and five, and you're going to have to go 9-1. Or you're going to need the Hawks to go 4-6, and six, which is completely out of character for them, and you're still going to have to go 7-3 and three just to get that done. So there aren't a lot of scenarios that really play out in Miami's favor here. And I know everybody loves Miami because they made that big run last year, but this team has not played anywhere near the way they played in the bubble last year. The defensive numbers are still pretty good, but the offensive numbers are way below what they did when they went on that run. And that's really been the difference for them this year. They've, they have burned more money for betters this year than a lot of other teams. Um, I think they're only at like a, maybe like a 45% cover percentage this year because they've basically been over bet all season.
0: Wow. That's a, that's a staggering number there. Pacific division winner, Right now, the Clippers are the consensus favorite, minus 139 with the Suns at even. Your thoughts on this division, because Suns have played very well this year. We all know that. So what do you think about the Clippers and Suns? Do you think this is a foregone conclusion? Or do you think kind of like the last even, you like the Suns? Well, the thing here is that there are nine games
1: left for the Clippers, 11 games left for the Suns. And they're even in the win column right now. So the Clippers basically are in the same kind of situation where, they're going to have to go 8 and 1 or 7 and 2 and they're going to have to hope that the suns just play below 66%, which is basically what the suns have won their games at so far this year. The suns are going to need to go like 6 and 5 through that last 11 and they're still going to need like a like i said like an 8 and 1 from the clippers in order to uh to catch them. So this is different than the 76ers and the nets because the 76ers and the nets have the same amount of games to play. Right. In this situation the clippers have two less games to play. And the odds are actually even the Clippers better. I'm taking the Suns here. You're giving me 11 games with the same amount of wins. And all I got to do is match the number of wins that the Clippers get in order to win. This one is the Phoenix
0: Suns at even money. I like this even more than I like the Nets at even money. There you go. So the uh, Suns and the Nets at even money consensus uh, look like they have a real shot to make some returns. Let's talk a little bit about the future. Let's talk about. Western and Eastern Conference winners and maybe get your thoughts on the championship here if you've got any early favorites in your mind. Western Conference winner right now, you've got the Lakers at plus 175, the Clippers at 260. Then you've got the Jazz at 310. Now, you know, I love the way the Jazz have played all year. They've been my favorite team to watch, no doubt, from the day one of the season till now. And it's a different brand of basketball. It's more of a throwback brand of basketball. They have ball movements there. The defense is there. It's just different. It's, it's something I enjoy watching. The question is... When you start matching up against teams with enormous star power, what happens then? You know, in these short series, can this brand of basketball win out? Cause look, it's happened in the past. I I think about that run that the the Pistons had years ago too, where it was not really the Ben Wallace years where it wasn't like that one go-to star guy, but they were able to make the system work, you know, a very physical team there too, played good defense. But can the Jazz play the style of ball and win this conference? Or is it gonna be the Clippers or Lakers or maybe even somebody else in your mind?
1: Yeah, I mean short answer is no. The jazz the Jazz cannot beat those teams if those guys are healthy and they have all their star power there. That what what makes the Jazz so good is they're a very deep team. And like you said, they play really good defense in the half court and they move the ball and they do all that stuff. And that stuff works great during the regular season when teams are playing, you know, guys eight, nine, ten in their in their rotation. Sure and guys one through five are only playing 32 or 34 minutes a game. In the playoffs, guys one through five are playing 40 minutes a game. So, yeah, that, that ball movement and stuff is great, but it doesn't work as well when it's Kawhi Leonard and Paul George and all the studs on the other team on the floor for 40 minutes. And your depth is great, too. It's nice to have depth when you get in the playoffs, but when you get in the playoffs, it's more about your starters because your starters are playing extra minutes. So if the other team's starters are better than yours – then they're going to be on the floor at a disadvantage for a longer period of time than they are in a regular season. And it happens every year. We watch these teams that come out of nowhere and be like, uh, oh man, we didn't think they were going to be there. And oh man, like the Lakers are sneaking in as like a five seed. Well, they're sneaking in as a five seed because LeBron hasn't played in a month. And Anthony Davis took like two months off because he had some other injury as well. But when those guys are healthy, you're not beating that team. And that's the thing is like, everybody's looking right now and saying like, oh, well maybe the jazz can make a run. Maybe the jazz can do this. I have been like you, Joe. I've been higher on the Jazz all year. We've been betting them all year. We've been making money on them all year. Other people haven't believed in them all year. But when it comes to the playoff time, you do not want to bet on this team. And when it comes to looking at the Western Conference Finals, the fact that their number is only 30 or 40 basis points off of a team like the Clippers, or only 100 basis points away from a team like the Lakers, is just ridiculous. The Lakers and the Clippers' chances of winning this conference are so much better than the chances that the Utah Jazz has Because the Jazz has to beat not one, but both of those teams to get there. And I don't see them doing, I don't see them beating either of those teams. So at some point, they're going to have to play one of them and they're going to wind up losing. If you told me we can get the Jazz at like plus 700 or plus 800, I'd be like, okay, fine. At the beginning of the season, they were plus 36. I bet them at plus 24 about a month into the season, right when they started going on that first run of like nine or 10 Mm -hmm. wins in a row. Right. Now that number is down to, what is that number down to with the Jazz? Like plus 700 to win the championship. And all these other numbers to win the conference, to win the division, are all derivatives of the number to win the championship. So if we think that that number to win the championship at plus 700 is way too low, then you can't bet on this team to win the division or to win their, their conference because that number is going to be way too low from what you should be getting it on. So for my money right now, the two best bets are still the Lakers and the Clippers if you're looking to take somebody to win this division.
0: Which one would you go with between the two if you had a choice?
1: I mean, as long as LeBron
0: is back and playing, the answer is the Lakers. I mean, okay. it, it is like until somebody. Well, because plus one seventy five is not terrible to come out of the West. Like that's not a terrible number. Like that's that's all right With, considering LeBron and becoming the star power. I mean, if he if everything had been clicking and everyone's on the court in the last couple of weeks, I think people would look at this number very. It might even be a minus consensus number right now, but it's not. Earlier in the year, this was closer to even money for them to win the West or like minus
1: one, like plus one twenty or something like that. Now it's plus one seventy five, and again they were plus 250 to win the championship at the beginning of the season, plus 275 might have been like the best number you could find on them. Now they're plus 350. And again, if the plus 350, if these other numbers are derivatives of that win the championship number, then if you think that plus 350 is too high right now, then you got to think any of their other numbers are a little too high right now. So I think the plus 175 for the Lakers, probably a little higher than it should be. That number should be more like plus 150 or below. So you're getting some value out of that right now.
0: All right, let's switch gears to the Eastern Conference where we have the Nets at the top of the board at minus 112 and the Bucks at 350, the Sixers at plus 4400. Um so uh a 440, excuse me. So um with the 76ers at 440, do they become a trendy pick here going in do just kind of it it feels like when you're looking at the odds, you're looking at the board, if you are one of these people that really just does not believe in the super team of the Nets that The 76ers is the way to go, or is it Giannis and the Bucks? Because I think last year's playoff run, uninspiring, I feel like a little bit, kind of left a little bad taste in people's mouths. I don't know if the money's going to go there. Do you think if the money's not going to the Nets, it goes to the Sixers? And I guess the question is, should it be? I mean, are the Nets the foregone conclusion? So here's my problem with the Nets. I,
1: I love the Nets. And if you told me that James Harden was going to be healthy and Kevin Durant was going to be healthy and Kyrie Irving was going to be mentally healthy and all of those guys were going to be there and ready and locked in for the run, then minus 112 or minus 115, which is where you're seeing it sometimes, is way too low a number. Like right. they would be the prohibitive favorite. But I don't know that Harden's going to come back and be okay. You don't have the boost that they thought they were going to get from having LaMarcus Aldridge in there, which I don't think people realize how big the, – LaMarcus the Aldridge news made me look at these numbers and say these numbers are too low because adding him as your fourth option is just insane. Like it's it's almost not fair. It's it's a trade that they wouldn't let me pull off if I was playing on PlayStation or something. <laughs> Point in time, I mean they got, you know, he, they got him. It was released. They picked him up. Like that was a great pickup for them. So him – you know, deciding to retire, which, you know, no knock on him. I would have done the same thing if it was my health, so I'm not knocking him for it. But it definitely, the numbers moved when he signed and when KD was on his way back and when Uh Harden was still healthy at the time and all those guys are supposed to play together. But now Harden is out. Harden had a setback, which we don't know how long that's going to keep him out. LaMarcus Aldridge is out with the heart thing, and this number hasn't moved. So to me, this number is overbet because... At the very least, there should have been some kind of adjustment for Aldridge going down and Harden being more of a question mark now than he was a couple months ago. And we haven't had that. We haven't had a big adjustment back in the other direction. So right now, the way I'm looking at it is you also got to think about all the injuries this team has, Joe. Like Kevin Durant could go down again. We've seen right. it multiple times. James Harden, maybe he doesn't come back. And if that's the case, now you're going to war against the Bucks and against the Toronto team that is healthy now and the 76ers team and whoever else, the Celtics who were starting to play a little better and all these other teams, you're going to war with just Kyrie Irving, not the big three of Kyrie, Harden, and and Kevin Durant. So I don't think that laying more than even money on the Brooklyn Nets right now is the best way to go. I think the value actually comes from the other team. And I agree that everybody is talking about the 76ers, which also makes them overvalued and overbet. The place I want to go is actually in the Milwaukee Bucks. You look at the Bucs. Yeah, you look at the stats for the Bucs. Their point differential is only behind. I think they're actually ahead of the Phoenix Suns now. They were trailing them most of the season. But the only team that's got a better point differential per 100 possessions is the Utah Jets. So the Milwaukee Bucks statistically are still the second best team in the NBA at the current moment. And you're getting them at plus 350, whereas the Jazz, even in the other conference, you're only getting at plus 300. So, I, I mean, I think it's an easier path for them than it would be in the West. And there are reasons to think that if Brooklyn's not 100 percent, Brooklyn could wind up losing to one of these teams that we're talking about here. And to me, Milwaukee is still the best team in the East statistically, even though, like you said, people are scared away from them because they didn't play last year. But you know what? This isn't last year. It's this year. So you can't let that carry it over. They're still the statistically better team and I have the better odds of winning it. And at plus 350. I think there's value there.
0: Now, when you're looking at the championship, you know, before we get more of this knowledge, and more of this clarity, is there a number you would want to jump on for the championship right now? The Nets are plus 240, doesn't feel like it from what you're saying, but maybe that changes because of the odds. We're talking about 240 overall to buying in, doesn't feel like you're getting there. You have the Lakers at plus 350, the Clippers at plus 500, the Jazz plus seven, which is not a number. So I'm assuming you're going deeper. You're looking for maybe the Bucks or somebody like that, who in terms of uh, that number, very different. Uh, so uh, when you're looking at consensus, is that where you're going? Is it, is it a bucks number that really pops to you? Because there's plus 750 right after the Jazz. That's the consensus number. In some places, like uh, you get 800. I see in a lot of houses as well. When you're looking here, like Fox Beth has met, uh, plus 800 over on bettingpros.com. Is that where you'd be going? All right, so Joe, you and I have been doing this a long time, right? Very many years, my friend. All right, Do, does the regular season matter? No. In the NBA, no. And especially in the, I was gonna say and especially in the NBA the N- especially in the NBA, So at
1: the beginning of the season, right? you look at what the numbers were at the beginning of the season. The nets were plus 600, the Clippers were plus 650, Milwaukee was plus 550. The Lakers were the big favorites, like plus 250 to plus 275, maybe a plus 300 out there, right? So if the regular season doesn't matter other than making sure your guys are healthy and you make it to the regular season, then why should anything we've seen during the regular season really change the way that we thought about anything at the beginning of the year? With the one exception being the Brooklyn Nets. And the reason right. for it is the Brooklyn Nets are materially different now than they were when we were making those plus 600 bets at the beginning of the year. They right. added that James Harden guy. He's pretty good at bets. He's all right. He's, he's, yeah,
0: he, he ain't bad. Yeah. You know,
1: and again, if he's going to be healthy, if Kevin Durant's going to be healthy, if Kyrie's going to be healthy, then that should be a lower number than the plus 600 at the beginning of the year. It should be basically in line with the number that the Lakers have, arguably less than that if you think that that big three is going to wind up beating LeBron. So seeing that number at 240 right now, I don't think it's a bad number. I think that's where it belongs. Like, I think that's the right number there. Now, you should also see the Lakers number tick up a little bit because of that. Because again, now you have a team that is much easier to see being a team that can challenge them and beat them. That number's at 350. Again, it was 250 at the beginning of the year. So I like the fact that I could get an extra hundred basis points now sure. on the Lakers because again, if the regular season doesn't matter other than to get into the playoffs, then really the season hasn't even started yet. So if you're going to give me a better odds on the Lakers now than I could have got at the beginning of the season, I like that. The same thing goes in the opposite direction for the Utah Jazz. Like I said, thirty six hundred at the beginning of the season, twenty four. You know, about a month into the season, when I wrote up and bet on them, now they're plus seven hundred. I can't take plus seven hundred. I can't take that number on the Utah Jazz. For me to take it to Jazz right now, they'd probably have to be double that number. They'd have to be twelve or fourteen hundred for me to be interested, and they're not there right now. You could get the Milwaukee Bucks in some places at eight nine hundred, maybe even like a thousand, depending on where you're looking.
0: Well, the Bucks right now plus seven fifties consensus number, but I'm seeing eights. I'm seeing seven fifties. That's about where you're at right now for the most of the spots. But now, do you think to a certain degree too? I mean. Uh, we're both old enough to remember last year when the Bucks were rolling and then COVID hit and then the bubble did not treat them kindly. It was not a good look for them. So do you think that this Bucks team has shown you that they've kind of either learned from this or are motivated to kind of get past last year? Because last year was a huge disappointment for them? So here's one of my favorite stats to look at. One of my
1: favorite stats to look at is the point differential that a team has. Right. Because what it does is it looks at what their offensive efficiency number is per 100 possessions, and their defensive efficiency per 100 possessions. So games are played at different paces. So sometimes there's 110 possessions in a game. Sometimes there's only 98 possessions in a game. But it's usually somewhere a little above 100. So the way you got to look at that is, it doesn't matter who you're playing against when it comes to pace. If you're the team that's doing the most offensively per 100 and stopping the other team the most defensively, you're going to be in a lot of games. And there are usually three to five teams every year that are in the top 10 in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. And these are teams that usually wind up making deep runs. And this mm-hmm. is the reason why I liked the Miami heat last year, because last year, the Miami heat were a top 10 team in offensive efficiency and a top 10 team in defensive efficiency. The Milwaukee bucks were two and they lost to the Miami heat. Another team who was what I call a dual qualifier in both of those things. Mm-hmm. The other team that was a dual qualifier was the Boston Celtics who, you know, was one of the other teams that was on the road for those teams to get to the finals. The Lakers weren't last year, but they were 11th overall in scoring. So they were like literally right on the outskirts of it. And they were one of the top defensive teams. So you can kind of make a little bit of an exception for them. But the teams that tend to make the deepest runs are usually the ones that are good on offense and good on defense. The Milwaukee Bucks this year are one of those teams that's a dual qualifier. Top 10 on defense, top 10 on offense. Right now, I think they're 7th and 5th or 5th and 7th, somewhere in there. But these are the teams that I have the most faith in because they can beat you multiple ways. They can go out and shut you down, hold you to 95 points, and even have a bad shooting game and win 101 to 95. They're also the team that can get in a track meet with you and beat you 125 to 115. And those are the kind of teams that usually make the deep runs, Milwaukee being one of those teams this year. Now, could some of the other teams, like the Nets, play no defense whatsoever? No, obviously. (laughs) Doesn't hurt them in the regular season because they have so much offense. And they are the most efficient or one of the most efficient offenses in the league. But in the playoffs, that comes back to haunt you if you're not playing any defense. So there are chinks in that armor that you can go against. The Sixers are the opposite. Great defensively. Offensively, though, they suck. Really, outside of like Joel Embiid dominating and putting up 40-point games, like Ben Simmons is a very good facilitator, but he's not a great scorer. You know, Tobias Harris is decent. And then you're talking about guys like Seth Curry and Shake Milton and, you know, and I mean, they're in there to like hit some shots and feed some of these big guys, but they don't have the offensive power, power that they can win those games when, you know, their defense isn't shutting teams down. Milwaukee is the team that could play either one of those two ways and still wind up winning games. So that's why, to me, that's the team that has the most value out of all these teams here.
0: All right. He's Benny Ricciardo. You can follow him on Twitter at Benny 11 and follow him because he is a great follow and hilarious on Twitter and hilarious in real life. He's one of my good pals and uh, I appreciate the time. Tell everybody what you got going on to fade the noise right now. What's happening with you? Yeah. I mean,
1: you know me every day. um, I am pretty deep into the NBA prop bets at the moment. That's kind of the angle that I'm taking and the angle that I've been, you know, the most in on this season for NBA. So Every day of the week, I come out with the NBA prop video. So if you're somebody who likes prop bets, definitely get over to the FTN Network YouTube page and check that out. And then, again, FTN Bets is the site that I'm the head of content from. So between writing articles and yelling at other people to get their articles in on time, (laughs) you can find all my stuff over there because that's pretty much how it goes. (laughs)
0: There you go. That's Benny Ricciardi, everybody. Great stuff as always. We hope everybody enjoys their NBA wagering. That'll do it for us today. But the story of the game goes on for Benny Ricciardi. I'm Joey P. We'll see you next time, kids.